Good morning. Greetings to each of you in the name of our precious Lord. It is a privilege to be here this morning. I was um, just amazed at the words that God has been bringing our way already this morning. In the sermon this morning, we just want to continue with what um, we've already heard from Brother Jared and the words of that song. The title of our sermon this morning is Yes to God. wonder if we could stand for prayer. <clears throat> our Father and our God, we thank you for the privilege to have your word before us. Thank you, God, for the privilege that we have to be a part of your people, to be gathered in this way this morning. Thank you for each brother, each sister in Christ. Thank you for each father, each mother, each child among us, each youth among us today. Thank you that your presence is with us here this morning. We have your spirit who does respond when we call on you. You do fill us. You do give us the energy, the nourishment, the wisdom, the direction, the power that we need to live in this world in the way that you want us to. Thank you, Father. We do pray that each of us would tune our hearts. Pray that I would be tuned, that each of us would be tuned to what your Spirit wants to speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Last few weeks have been quite um, full in various ways, full in time, activity, and for me, um, mentally, it's been a bit intense, especially this last week. My wife and I carved out some time for two days. which was good for us, two days for reflecting on where we have been the last uh, several years and where God has us going from here and um, blessed us with good people to walk with us. Business pressures were strong this week and um, come to Friday night, 
On the way home from Christian Aid Ministries, we felt like we could barely squeeze in and uh, looking at what we're doing this weekend and I uh, pulled up the schedule. It's like, yes, I am going to supposed to preach sometime this week, this month. And uh, discover that's coming up. <clears throat> so... <clears throat> My family and I began to process. I think what I'm going to share is a bit more processed by the family than I've ever done before. <clears throat> and um, it was a blessing. And I believe that God really um, came through and gave us a message um, expe- um, exceeding my expectations. <clears throat> it's a simple message. Our goal today is not to give you something new. <clears throat> I believe the burden that God has put on my heart is to help us to um, boil down to what's important, boil down to foundation, uh, remind us of some very basic things. And in fact, I don't have a seven-point sermon. My point is one. Say yes to God. Is that simple enough? Say yes to God. Seems to me sometimes the most simple things we most easily miss, maybe in part due to their simplicity. Say yes to God. Yes. No. We often choose between those two, don't we, in our responses. Maybe verbal, maybe nonverbal. Maybe in prayers, maybe in thoughts only. Maybe in attitudes. And ultimately, we have to admit in action. It's yes or it's no. Scientists have tried to figure out how many decisions we make in a day. I don't know. Thousands and thousands. Yes, I'm going to put on this color socks. No, I'm going to put on that color. You all made that decision this morning when you woke up. Unless you only have one color sock in your drawer. Yes, to God. I like to look at two parts. I like to look at the initial yes, or we could say the early yes. And I like to look at a lifestyle of yes, yes to God. In looking at the initial yes, I like to focus on children a bit, both physically, physical children, And then that step which makes a person a babe in Christ. Yes to God. They want to look at a few examples from scripture um, and maybe just mention a few practical things. um, Just to help us to think through where where am I right now in life? What am I facing? What is God asking of me? What is that thing that perhaps I'm finding difficult 
to say yes about. Let's just throw a few of these things out there. If you ponder, <clears throat> starting even now, will you say yes to God? So I believe last time I spoke, we talked about the goodness of God, if any of you recall. And we made the declaration that God is good. We talked about some of the connection of our faith. That a foundation for our faith in God is the belief that God is good. Perhaps at its foundation, if you are going to say yes to God, you need to reckon with the goodness of God. Do you believe that God is good? In life's stretches, in life's difficulties, growing pains, trials, you name whatever name you want to put there, Moments of overwhelmment, moments of incapability, do you believe that God is good? When others let you down, when expectations don't match, and you have to say, God, I didn't sign up for this, do you believe that God is good? Because that will equip you to say yes to God. See, there's something deep in our souls. I believe it's a God thing that God planted there. There's something deep in our souls. That wants what is good and right. We find it difficult to respond to someone who has evil intent. For sure, we would find it very difficult to hand over the control of our lives to that person. God doesn't ask for a blind faith. I think this came up a little while ago in a a sermon or a discussion here. This thing called faith. I think it came up as a result of um, what uh, Brother Earl was sharing in one of his, his series. God does not ask for a blind faith. He does ask for faith. But he is willing and able to assure you that he is good. When you hand over your life to God, you can be rest assured that he is worthy of that trust. God is good. He is worthy For you to trust him with your yes every single day in every single situation. Will you say yes to God? We perhaps could define sin with a very simple description. Saying no to God. Is there any sin that you can conceive of which is not simply a no? Scripture says that to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. 
<clears throat> you are saying no to something good that your conscience is directing you towards. <clears throat> that God is speaking to you. And it might not be something that in every situation, in every person's life, or in every, every setting is right or wrong. But at this moment, in your opportunity, with this person sitting next to you on this seat, God prompts you to say something. This thought comes to your mind, and you have to decide, yes or no, what am I going to do? Sin is simply no. Are you battling with a sin? Are you battling with an addiction? Are you battling with a natural desire? And you failed again and again. And you wrestle with that thing. And it consumes you. At a foundational level, you need to say yes to God. Is your time simply filled up? Brother Jared spoke well to the thing of materialism this morning. Is your time simply consumed with these values of the world around us? You are saying no to God because you have replaced it with a yes to a different set of values. Will you say yes to God? So we define this thing of saying yes to God just a bit more. Let's go to Abraham as a definition. And um, I think I will just go to Romans 4 for a bit, first of all. Abraham... He is called the father of our faith. Here in Romans 4, just skim quickly through uh, portions of the chapter here. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? So here he is referred to as our father. The Jews especially referred to him as their uh, as the father of the Jewish religion, the father of their faith. He was their father. And we know that we as Gentiles have been grafted in. We can call Abraham our father. And he has been pointed to as the example in the New Testament. Uh, by Paul here, he's pointing to him as the example of faith. And some try to get a doctrine of faith only because of what's written here. Uh, but you can go to James, and he's Abraham again is pointed to almost the exact same wording, exact same illustration as works. <clears throat> he's our father of uh, both the example of how that faith works out. <clears throat> he is the father of our faith. <clears throat> if he were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. Skim down to verse 5. To him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. Again, an example of Abraham. In verse 9, we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. He had said yes to God before circumcision was even given, before God ever asked of him circumcision as that sign, <clears throat> that physical sign. Verse 11. He had yet being uncircumcised that he might be the father of all them that believe. That's you and I. He is our father. He's the father of our faith. 
Verse 12, And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham. Verse 13, Through the righteousness of faith. The example of Abraham again. And in verse 17, I have made thee a father of many nations. So this father, this foundational example of our faith. Let's look at um, him as a bit of an example of just defining what this means to say yes to God. In Genesis 22, Genesis 22, God says, God speaks with Abraham. God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, What was his response? Behold, here I am. Look on me. I volunteer. God calls your name. Behold, here I am. That was... Response, not knowing what this this call is going to entail, not knowing what it's going to mean. I don't think that he was prepared, perhaps, uh, mentally. He, he probably didn't expect God to follow through then and say, take Isaac, your son, take him to Mount Moriah, sacrifice him. Have you just said yes to a personal dream to have a son? And are you getting wrapped up in this gift from God? Or, Abraham, are you going to continue to say yes to God? What's his response? Verse 3, he rose up early the next morning. Didn't hesitate, didn't delay, quick, prompt, thorough. He said yes to God. I want to back up a little bit. What's the foundation That's how he lived. He responded to God. He was able to respond that way because this was a consistent thing in his life. But back up a bit. This started somewhere. Where does it start for you and I? We have this saying, if Christ is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. Chapter 12 of Genesis. If we get the, 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 the background just a bit here in chapter 11. Um, Terah took Abram and Lot and Sarai. And they took them from Ur of the Chaldees. He, he purposed to go to the land of Canaan. But they came to the land of Haran. And they dwelt there. Look at a map. Ur of the Chaldees. Was to the east. And Canaan was pretty much straight um, west. Maybe a bit south. But he went a bit north. He actually kind of detoured. Bit of a triangle. 
And he landed in a different place and he didn't fulfill what he purposed to do. It seems like God had done something and he was to set out a call that he wants his people to separate themselves and to come and live in the land of Kenya. It seems like just, I, I'm reading into this, I'll say that, but it seems like that's what was going on even perhaps a generation or two before Abram. Your parents, I don't want to say that they didn't fulfill their call in their life. And I'm not even saying that Haran didn't. But they took steps. For some of us, I think most of us have the privilege of having been raised with godly parents. Maybe not all of us. But perhaps your parents took steps. And they said yes to God. And they responded. But that call has not been completed. That call continues on through you. And through me. Let's ponder that. In some way, I believe you and I, in this generation, are living out the ongoing call that came to our parents. This thing of multiple generations, emphasized throughout the Old Testament and even into the New Testament, is very powerful. There's significance there. God wants the faith of your parents to live on through you. Abram took that on, and uh, the Lord said to him in verse 1 of chapter 12, Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will shew thee. Implies he didn't know where he's going. Again, if there was some understanding of this multi-generational thing, maybe he did understand why you know, Haran set out for Canaan. Maybe he had some inkling that it's going to be going to Canaan. I don't know. But <clears throat> there was a rather... Uh, full, broad, complete abandonment to God's will. Leave your land. Leave what's familiar. You've settled here. You were, you were perhaps raised here. Or you were there for many years. It implies he would have been married because um, when he traveled to Ur of the Chaldees. I mean, sorry, to, to uh, Haran. When Terah took um, Abram, was it together with his wife and with his nephew Lot, and dwelt in Haran, <clears throat> but he left what was familiar. He left relatives behind. He left um, home behind, and he had a purpose for him. He said, "I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing." We heard that already this morning. God has given us gifts, not for us just to hoard on ourselves, but to use them to be a blessing. <clears throat> so Abram departed. He said yes to God. That's the first we, re- we really hear much about Abram. <clears throat> God had confidence. God saw a man who he could trust, who would continue to say yes. And it was in him that he put his confidence of raising up a nation, a holy nation, a separate people. He had so much confidence in Abraham that in chapter 18, when he was about ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. 
he didn't stop with that. He's going to become a nation. Great and mighty. All the people groups of the world are going to be blessed through him. There's another reason. He felt like Abram was worthy. It was necessary for God to confer with Abraham. There's another thing he said here. For I know him. That he will command his children after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. That the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. I've promised. I've done a covenant here. I've set out to do this thing through Abraham. But in order for me to be able to do that. I have this confidence that he will command his children after him. Are you saying yes to God? Let's consider now, though, this thing of children. God depended on the faithfulness of Abraham to raise up his children. To command them after him. To not give them an option. Here is the way. Follow this path. Here's a ditch. There's a ditch. Don't go this way. Don't go that way. Follow what I've laid out before you. Command your children after you. Do we command our children after us, parents? Do you realize that for you to teach your little one-year-old, yes, no. And how to say yes and not to say no. You are saying yes to God. You are living out a very, very foundational part of this Christian experience. You are living out that which God depends on to propagate your faith. Here we are and throughout the coming generations and places around the world. God counts on that. So let's look a little bit about at children. <clears throat> yes to God. Saying yes starts early. In our house, for a little bit of experience, we've noticed that the will of a child starts coming out pretty strong between six months to a year. Now, you might have to be observant to catch it, but it's there. And long before a child can say yes or say no, usually uh, can be dealt with. And as parents, we need to deal with that will. We need to encounter it. Sometimes parents will even creatively on, do, set up situations on purpose to encounter it. <clears throat> Say yes. In our house, when they do start to speak, usually the no comes easier than the, than the yes. Some reason. Let's tell us something about our nature. The no quicker than the yes. We've had this practice that if there is food to be eaten at the table, the child says yes. And the child will eat that food. Now there's practical things. We don't want them just to eat the dessert and just eat the icing off the cake and and just a snack between meals. We want them to, to get 
you know, a little portion of the, you know, the meal was planned with a balanced diet in mind, and, and we, we want this child to have a balanced diet, and all those things are practical, but much, much, much more important than all that to us as parents is this wonderful, basic exercise which sustains life, which happens three times a day. It's a constant. It's there all the time. If we miss it on that point, it'll be hard to keep the constancy and the consistency in other parts of our child training. <clears throat> We're concerned that this little two and three and four-year-old learns to say yes. Because someday that child is going to say yes or no to God. This is part of what it means to say yes to God. Parents, don't miss it. You don't have to handle the meal times exactly like our family does. That's not what's important. But don't miss it. Because of my own flesh, I am tempted over and over and over again to pull back and not push things, not keep the consistency in our home for my children that they need. It's not loving my child. Don't miss it. Say yes to God. Do that child a favor. Bring consistent application. Command your children after your what you know is right as an adult. Drill in that child a consistent always from as before they can remember as little as possible. A yes to God. They might not eat as much spinach as you do, but they can have one little leaf. (laughs) And that one little leaf of spinach is not going to make or break the health of that child. But it will very, very, it very, very possibly could break or make the likelihood of that child saying yes to God. Don't miss it, parents. Yes is so simple. The uneducated understand yes and no. The child who is too small to even say yes or no, maybe not even completely understand yes or no from your mouth. When you're holding that child in your lap, and it's time for this child to sit still. That child can't sit still on a, on a hardback bench for three hours, ten hours straight like you might be able to. But there is a certain amount of time. There is a certain place you can build in that routine. Even when this child is perhaps far too small to walk or crawl, you can hold that child in your arms. When that will is expressed with their, you can pr- apply a little bit more pressure instead of less. It may be the difference of that child's eternal destiny. Don't miss it, parents. Teach your child early to say yes to God. Proverbs 23, 13. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. 
The next verse, thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Okay, so that's a popular form of discipline. It's a biblical form of discipline. But there are many other forms. The point is that heart must learn to say yes. And it must learn it as early as possible, that child. And it must learn it as consistently as possible. That is the perhaps the most powerful gift that God has placed in your hands as you hold the souls of your children. <clears throat> Will you say yes to God as a parent? <clears throat> Give that child that early opportunity. <clears throat> Do you houseproof your child? Or do you child-proof your house? If there's a habit that your child has and can't handle certain things and it's just too much work to say no-no and to teach no-no. Now, we don't let poisons down the bottom shelf in the pantry. No. We don't put dangers that they can't understand. But the things that they can understand. Pulling over that lamp, whatever it is. Do you perhaps, do you on purpose, leave a certain no-nos in place so they learn those no-nos and pace it? I don't understand all these things. I, I have a hard time getting it right. I don't know how many no-nos you can teach at once. And <clears throat> but you need to teach them. <clears throat> okay, let's switch now to the spiritual. Early. Learn to say yes early. So this child grows a bit. And it's all the Bible stories. Comes to church, hears sermons. And you read the Bible in your home. And one day, the child might be a six-year-old, seven, eight-year-old, and has a spat with with a sister. And this is really bothering him at night. He comes to you. First of all, say thank you, God, that he came to me. He comes to you. He or she might even say, I, I, I just need to become a Christian. It's a six-year-old. Well, you can do two things. I'm going to actually propose a third. You can say, well, that's wonderful. Let's pray a prayer. I'll lead you in a prayer. Become a Christian. Now you're saved. Now you're going to go to heaven. We'll get you baptized next week. can do the other thing and say, oh, I'm sorry, uh, you're just a little bit too young yet, you don't understand, it's okay, you go back and sleep. But maybe there's something in that child's heart, that child needs to say yes to God. And maybe it doesn't involve everything, maybe there's not only one step in saying yes to God. Maybe it doesn't involve everything that child is thinking or feeling. Maybe there's confusion 
let me share a little bit of my story. I was very sensitive. My parents wouldn't say that I always acted that way. Um, but I was, uh, I had a lot of spiritual input as a very young child. Lots of teaching, lots of preaching. Um, and I wondered what was right. And I wasn't sensitive in the sense I was quick to go to my parents. But I was sensitive in the sense that I would lie awake at night. Many, 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 many times. Probably starting from the age of seven, eight years old. I'd wrestle and I'd want to say yes to God. I didn't understand it all. It was this vague feeling. It was this, I, I would sit in church sometimes and hear a sermon and, and just mentally begging that preacher up there just to go a little bit further and explain a little bit more. I wanted to understand this thing because I wanted to get over this one big yes and I wanted to become a Christian. This is seven, eight, nine, ten years old. Maybe you are seven, eight, nine, ten years old. Maybe 11, 12. And maybe that's where you are. I'm talking to you right now just for a moment. And we'll let your parents listen in. Do you know that the answers are pretty simple? All you need to do is say yes to God. Just say yes. If there is something that bothered you because of a fight that you had that day, You know that God wants you to not fight. You know that God wants you to learn to like that sibling or to share that toy, whatever the issue is. Just say yes. And yes, do go to your parents. And tell them what's bothering you. I have found in my little bit of experience that to just say yes Lead that child. Whether you direct it more as accountability to you or if you pray a prayer together with them, either way, it's just simply, in this situation, this is what's bothering me. This is why I did wrong. This is what I need to do right. I need to say yes. And in the bigger picture of things, this child is bothered or is, is, is burdened about wanting to be a Christian, wanting to follow God. We don't, you know, as much as that child understands, just respond with a yes to as much as that child understands. Be careful to put all kinds of assurances on there and heap all kinds of, of meaning on there that child doesn't even understand. Now you're a Christian and get baptized tomorrow or next year or whatever. <clears throat> but do your best as parents to understand that child's heart and understand what, what burdens God is putting there and help him to say yes to what is there. <clears throat> and help them to understand, help them to sort through what needs to happen yet. This thing of surrender to God is so foundational. We face it at every stage in life, from those babies to the grandpas. I believe this is what most of life is made up of. May God help us just to consistently say yes to God. Take away all the fog, all the overwhelm, all the, you know, God asks us, God asks big things of us sometimes. We don't know what all it's going to mean. And we're afraid of the unknown. But God does not ask us to know the unknown. 
God does not ask if you surrender into this particular call or this opportunity or this service or this whatever it is. God does not ask you to just say yes to all those things that could happen that you don't know. God asks you to take that one step that you know is in before you that you can make. And history is full of stories to reinforce the fact that God will be there through every step. And at any step, life is worth living. You can live it to the full. You can live it with joy when God is there with you. No matter how difficult it is physically, emotionally, or otherwise. Say yes to God. Let's look at John chapter 3. Let's talk about this new birth a little bit. This big yes, it is a big step. I think it happens in each of our lives very different. I think there's a lot more variety than is often portrayed from books or tracks for sure. Uh, Even perhaps from the pulpit. But I do believe ultimately God wants us to say yes. For some of us, maybe we, we... resist that for quite a period of time and go on into our teen years even and we're resisting and resisting this but come to a place where we just with all of our understanding hand our lives over to God and say yes to God and um, it can be perhaps in one big major step at this point why don't we just um, stand for reading here I'd like to just read um, verse 1 through verse 21. We'll just read uh, right through. I'll read um, first verse, and we'll have the congregation um, just read in unison together verse 2, and and, um, in response like that, every other verse through to verse 21, and then I will just make a few comments. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Came to Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. Things, 
And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. We will stop there. You can be seated. Here we have the story, very familiar to us. Jesus giving simple explanation on what it means to become a child of God. What it means to be born again. And he uses the natural illustration of physical birth. So you become a child in my family by being born into my family. That makes me your father. You are born into a family. So you are born into the family of God. He says, not that if you want to go to heaven, you must be born again. He doesn't say that if you want to be a Christian, I'm just quoting some cliches here, that you must be born again. He doesn't say that uh, to give your, uh, to ask Jesus into your heart. He doesn't say that um, you should join the church. He doesn't say that you should be baptized here in this passage. Some would say he does by being born of water and of the Spirit. And I'll leave that. Possibly that is what that's implying. But I believe in context, if we stick to the context, he says water and the spirit. He's talking about natural birth and spiritual birth. The natural birth being born of water and uh, being born of the spirit. So here, verse 3, he says, If you are not born the second time, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What we're saying yes to, when we're born spiritually, that second birth, beyond that first natural birth, what we're saying yes to is a whole other land. It's a kingdom. It's a life. It's an experience, which you can't experience otherwise. You can't experience Tanzania unless if you go to Tanzania. If you enter, if you explore it, if you travel around it, see its sights, see its people. If you spend enough time there, you can learn to talk with those people. 
If you dwell there, you'll become, you'll begin to live like those people. You'll begin to think like those people. You will talk like those people. You will drive like those people. <clears throat> Forgive me. You will, you will, the list goes on. You will go on African time and you'll show up two hours after the time and, okay, possibly. Especially if you love those people and you want to be like those people and you've given yourself to it, right? It's a land. It's a kingdom. There's a different king there. There's a different life there. But you can't see it even unless you are born again. It's not like taking a plane trip. You won't, when he says see, perhaps he means to perceive, to understand. And he repeats, I think, for double emphasis in verse 5. Instead of saying see, he says enter. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God unless you're born again. It's your passport. You won't be allowed in. You won't be authorized. Talks about being born of water and of the Spirit. And again, I would link that with verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You have a physical body because you were conceived and you were born physically. But if that faith had not been conceived in your heart... You cannot be born spiritually. That faith which acknowledges that God is good. He is more, uh, there is more value. There is goodness there. There is something to live for. More than that house. More than that truck. More than that sin. More than that fun. More than that addiction. More than uh, pleasing my peers. God is good. He has a wonderful life out there to be explored in this new kingdom. He has something worth living for. He has something fulfilling. God is good. You can't enter that kingdom of goodness unless you're born again. You're made new. All things are new. Scripture says. Verse 8. So whether or not you have been born again, sometimes you have to stop and evaluate. Sometimes people have a bit of a complex journey. Whether or not you have been born again can be tested by the results, the actions. What happens? What's the fruit? So the spirit, you can't see it. I've seen people become born again, but not with these eyes. I might have even seen tears a couple times, and I've seen people become born again. I've seen tears. But I've seen tears over all kinds of things. I'm not sure about you. That's no proof this person has become born again. The spirit, you can't see. But there comes a point, that life is so transformed, you got the confidence to take that person and to baptize them. As an outward sign of their inward faith. So the test is in the effects in the life. Verse 10. Don't take for granted that the respected will perceive very well spiritually. He's a teacher, Nicodemus. He's a teacher of the synagogue. He's a master. That means he's a teacher. And Jesus takes the liberty to reprimand him a little bit. Are you telling me you, at your status, your leadership position, you don't understand what I'm talking about? I mean, this is basic stuff, Nicodemus. 
Don't take for granted that someone who's old, who's wise, who's mature, who can run business, who can sit on boards, who can sit on mission boards, who can be a missionary, who can raise a godly family, don't take for granted that they have experienced this. Like the, the mother I referred to, I think a couple weeks ago here, <clears throat> was the mom in a large family, godly family, very orderly, looked up to, respected family, shocked us all one day. She said, I just got born again for the first time in my life. That might be you today. That could be me. If you have true faith, it can weather that kind of examining. Brother Carl Schwarzenegger a few weeks ago told our youth in that youth session that he was speaking with Gary Miller. They were traveling one day and uh, he asked Brother Gary, so uh, have you ever questioned if God exists? I guess some of the little books that Gary writes and this last one that came out and down the same line, it's a good question for Gary Miller. <clears throat> and Gary didn't skip a beat. He says, every day. Is that good? Perhaps it could be good. Perhaps in a sense, we could question whether God exists. Question whether God exists in my life. You, you should be able to, to, to stand the, the examination of that, hold it to the test of what we have here. What's God doing in my life? Science can't explain it. Philosophy can't explain it. You can't prove the religion of evolution. Like Ken Ham says, ask the question, were you there? So I was doing this at Washington Square Park here a few weeks ago. We were there on the bus trip with Ephrata and, and um, lots, numerous discussions came up about evolution. And so I asked the question, how do you know? Were you there? And they asked me back, uh-huh. were you there at the flood? No, but I'm honest about the fact that mine is religion, which it takes faith to believe in. What I have to prove is my transformed life. What I have to prove is the joy in my heart. What I have to prove is the power of our sin. What I have to prove is the experience that I have with God, and that's worth everything to me. I don't see that your religion can deliver that for me. <clears throat> is your religion delivering that for you? Will you say yes to God? Is there a fear? Is there a clamming up in your heart right now? Is there a relationship which you're distressed over and it is bogging you down? I have these sometimes. Keep me awake at night. But that is when I'm not saying yes to God. My religion can't deliver in that sense, in that time, in that situation. Back to our text. 11 and 12. Beware of hard hearts. Nicodemus seems like he was doing better than most there of his peers, but um, they were not believing. They had their prerogatives for religion in the can that they wanted it to be in. They wanted to keep that can sealed and they wanted everyone to fit into that can. And... Uh, they had hard hearts. 
Now, form and habit and even culture, even Christian culture, God has planned. And we have that here. And I thank God for that. We can use that. It's an excellent resource in raising our children. But we ought to also be aware that there is a place where that can be dangerous. It can work against us. It can make hard hearts. Fear when you hear the word of God preached. If you do not respond to that word with a yes, every time that God's word is preached or you read it or you hear it or, 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 or you're presented with the gospel or a claim on your life and you do not respond with a yes, your heart will become like a hard-hearted religious Nicodemus. Verse 14 speaks of the centrality of Christ. Verse 16 gives us that nutshell, that answer. It is in Christ. It is in believing in Him. Believing that God is good. That He's worthy. And casting the lot of my entire life on that claim. This claim of limitation to Christ only is not for condemnation. Many take it that way, and that's the further their experience goes. It is rather to give you deliverance, because indeed, at the end of the day, at the judgment, you will be judged on that basis. It is man, his response, verse 18 and 19, it is man who, when he says no, that makes it a condemning thing. It's not God's intent. Verse 20, we see how that a person can, can say no to God simply by loving evil, choosing the evil above God's plan. Verse 21, each person who says yes to God loves the truth because he has no shame. He knows his deeds are in God. He knows his deeds are in God. Note there in verse 21 also that he says, does doeth truth. Not just believe or says the truth. Those are an important part. But they must, it must be something that is done. Something that you do. And then verse 36. If we would jump down to the end of the chapter. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. So the yes and the no. <clears throat> if you believe not the Son you will not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. This wrath is not just a one-time experience at the judgment day. This is a wrath which is going on right now in your life where you have said no to God. It is on you. It abides on you. It stays there. It doesn't go away. And we talk about God being almighty. Consider... The one power in the universe that has all power being against you. Consider the place that he has designed for those kinds of people. I have to warn on that because it's in the scripture. And we have it given to us in the scripture for a reason. It's because we ought to fear God. We ought to fear God. That would be a right reason to choose God. To choose Christ. 
to choose this step of saying yes to God. It wouldn't be complete if you wouldn't also love God. To say yes to God in salvation, you must love God and fear God. And respond with that fear and that love. Knowing that if we receive Christ the way he's portrayed in Scripture, as he is, knowing that you are right to fear God, and he is worthy of your entire love. You can choose Christ if you see clearly the glory of his kingdom. It's all about purpose. Why we're on this earth? What we have to live for? Make life fulfilling. And it's all about missing it all. That total emptiness. We heard a bit about already this morning. If we miss this. Purposelessness. Another reason that someone might choose Christ is he has been taught, especially if from a child up, but he has somewhere in his, in his life an experience, maybe consistently even, he's learned to say no to himself, to say yes to authority, and ultimately to say yes to God. And if that could be developed from that 6, 8, 10, 12, 14 ages, your stage is set. For most of us, that was a huge factor in why we are where we are today in our walk with Christ. It's because we had many steps early on where we were taught and we learned that experience, how to surrender our lives. That might be why someone would say yes to God. I had a whole list of scriptures we could uh, just look at uh, about conscience. Conscience void of offense. We're not going to take time to do that this morning. I'm just going to plead with you. Say yes to God. One reason you might not choose to say yes to Christ is you don't know him. That's so far from the experience of most of the people we spend most of our time with that we forget that sometimes. But there are people in this world. There are whole people groups in this world. There are people in our neighborhoods haven't been told about Christ. Maybe, this is much more common here in America, you don't like what you do know about him. It's our responsibility to change that to the world around us. Maybe you have evil to hide. Maybe you have a deep, dark sin. Maybe not a deep, dark sin, but a deep, dark secret. Maybe you were abused sexually as a child or as a youth or since. I know someone well. I grew up with. Didn't understand this person. This person was considered mentally ill. Understanding the story more later as I became an adult and understand the implications, it makes sense. She was religious. She went to Anabaptist church. But she had this gnawing in her soul possessed her. She almost appeared to be demon-possessed sometimes, but it ate away at her. And at least it started with, if not the whole, the whole thing, was simply sexual abuse by a sibling. 
Maybe it's something deep and dark, and that could keep you. It's still your choice. Maybe there's addictions. Maybe there's pornography. Maybe there's self-abuse. Maybe there's other sexual addictions. Maybe it's simply fear of your peers. You don't want to just stand up and say, I want to become a Christian. Maybe it's an illusion of the material world. Maybe it's an illusion that you can always wait a little bit longer. It's an illusion, my friend. You have no promise that you will get home today. No promise of reaching old age. You have no promise that Christ won't come back today. It's an illusion. You have no promise that if you make your heart heart that one bit harder, that you ever break open through that shell. Something you ought to fear. I remember trembling in fear over that as a 10, 11 year old. I wish someone would have been a little bit more tuned in to teach me how to say yes in those little increments where I didn't completely understand the whole picture as a very young child. We could turn to many examples through Scripture. Abel, one of the earliest examples of someone who said yes to God. God's plan for the right sacrifice. He brought the first and the best. David said in Psalms 27, 8, When thou saidst, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Just that simple. You don't understand what all God's asking of you. He just says, Seek me. And that's something that God is asking of every single one of us. I don't care if you are six years old today. I don't care if you're 60. I don't care if you walk with God for 40 days. I don't care if you walk with God, I'm sorry, for 40 years or for 40 days. Seek my face. Will you say yes to God? You make the application, however it meets where you're at right now. Maybe your spouse would like to do something, see some value in something. You're not sure or you don't know if you're willing to pay the same cost to, 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 to take that step or whatever it is. Maybe it's a simple financial decision. Maybe it's a simple practical decision. Maybe it's a um, uh, personal preference. Maybe it has spiritual implications. Maybe it's um, a youth in your home who has one preference and you have a different preference. Maybe it's <clears throat> you're, the, you're the youth and your dad would just rather not do a certain thing and can't completely explain it in terms that makes it all make sense to you. Will you say yes to God through that person, through saying yes to that person? Acts 26, 15. Paul gives the account. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. That day... Paul responded with a yes 
both in conversion and into a life calling in a fairly specific ministry. Maybe you need to say yes to a specific ministry. Maybe you need to say yes to a specific calling in a faraway place. Maybe you've already made up your mind to a specific calling, a specific place. And you need to say yes to stay home. I've experienced personally a lot of both. The yes to stay home can be harder sometimes. But you see, it's all about saying yes to God. Surrender to his will. There's a family I knew well. Was raised in a corporate America. Affluence, education, American dream before him came from the poverty of West Virginia. Hillbilly, backwards, little opportunity for education, whatever else. And through his own effort and grit, did his way up, built his way up through. And he came into uh, exposure of the gospel and God's call in his life. And this couple together said yes to God. Again and again. They said yes to God through many, many, many steps of being alienated from family as they began to adopt children because they were convicted that their quiver was not full. Instead of their few children that they had that time, I believe it was only two. Didn't think they could have any more children, so they started adopting. And God turned things around for their family. They started having their own children as well. Had a large family. Sought God. Sought simplicity of life. Separated themselves from the world. Said yes to God. As they were going through these steps, they taught me this song, which has been precious to me. This song kept going through my mind. Um, their testimony is that this is a song that they they learned and it, it ministered to their hearts deeply many, many times as they were saying yes to God through many, many, many culture, cultural changes. I'll say, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say, yes, Lord, yes. I will trust you and obey. When the Spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, I'll agree. And my answer will be, yes, Lord. Yes. Lord, I give you all the glory for all you've given me. You have filled my life until I overflow. All I have is yours to use in any way you choose. You are Lord of all, so how can I say no? If I never knew the fullness of living in your will, I would never know how rich my life could be. Lord, my willingness to serve is the least that you deserve for the blessings you have showered over me. So whatever your yes is, if your yes is to take seriously raising those little, little babies, infants, children, youth, through each yes. Maybe it's practical decisions. How and when to expand that business or not to. Buy that house or not to. To homeschool your children or to enroll them in a church school 
Will you say yes to God? What does God have before you right now? I have a burden. I have a specific burden for those of us among us that have heard the claims of the kingdom, the gospel, understand it, and have not said yes to follow Christ. Those first steps. I have a burden that each of us can live a lifestyle, yes. If there is anyone here this morning that you know of a yes that you need to make and you've been, and that is clear in your heart here this morning, and you would like your church family to pray for you, that you'd be able to say yes. If I could, I'd like to ask you to stand. If there's anyone. We're just going to sing a song right now. just want you to stand right where you are. And it might be something small, might be something practical, might be that yes to salvation. <clears throat> could we turn to song number 923, I believe it is. Have thine own way, Lord. <clears throat>